I read an article that came out a couple weeks ago from Mary Eberstadt titled The Fury of the Fatherless, and it answers this question. What's behind ongoing unrest among the younger generations? Why have they taken to the streets and toppled historical figures? Well, we'll unpack some things that have been destroyed in our culture and why many people have this deep and profound sense of unrest. It ties into the theme of peace we've been talking about and that desire to belong that some people just haven't discovered. Mary Eberstadt, welcome to Trending. Thank you, Timory. Thanks for having me. There's a line in your article that just stuck me I mean, right between the eyes. You said, deprived of father, father, and patria, a critical mass of humanity has become socially dysfunctional on a scale not seen before. Can you discuss what those three deprivations are and why this has led to the unrest we're seeing on the streets in 2020? Sure, Timory. So, First, I'd like to establish just how widespread the protests and riots were. Based on a recent study, since May, there were 10,000 incidents of what is politely called unrest in the streets of the United States. And of those, something like 500 became violent. That is to say, these were not protests as usual. These were not like the anti-war protests of the 60s. These were not even like the Occupy Wall Street theater. This was something different. And, of course, these protests and riots started um, largely out of a concern for police brutality. But they quickly morphed into something else. And the reason I say that, Timory, is that if you look at the behavior of these protesters, you can see that this was not all about police brutality and racism. So, for example, you saw people across the country pulling down statues, not only of Confederates, which would have made sense if this were about police brutality and racism, but no, people pulled down statues of town fathers and city fathers and Father Sarah and uh, in Washington, D.C., um, Mahatma Gandhi's statue was, uh, was vandalized. That is to say, they pulled down statues of anything that looked like a father figure, which I think is the first clue that there was something much more primal going on in these protests than just a political gesture. Mm -hmm. And similarly, if you look at what else people did, uh, they went into residential neighborhoods and shined lights into people's homes in the middle of the night where families were sleeping. Uh, They disrupted people dining outdoors with family and with friends. So I think what we're seeing here is a kind of rage out there on the part of a lot of young people um, who can't abide the thought of other people enjoying their families out of doors or in their own houses. Again, this is a clue to what's happening. What's happening is that there are many young people in America who are disconnected from their literal earthly fathers, but they're also disconnected from organized religion, their capital F father. There's been a sharp fall off in religious practice, especially among the young. And they're also disconnected from their country. That is, young people are much less likely to express patriotism than older people. So that's why in that sentence that you quote, 
I talk about this threefold collapse of three different paternal principles, family, church, and state, because I think it's that collapse that has unmoored many of the young. And you refer to it as this social dysfunction that's on a scale that has never been known in our culture before here in the United States. And you touch on how we're seeing this dysfunction is correlated with decades of research having to do with fatherlessness. We see multiple generations who have not had fathers in the home or strong father presence in the African-American community, which we talk a lot about here on trending. Walter Hoy was with us not too long ago. 65% of children from the African-American community have grown up with absolutely no father in the home. And so this riot that we're seeing in the streets and some of our major towns and cities that continue to go on, it's a symptom of people crying out in anger. As you say, the fury of the fatherless. Tie this into the Black Lives Matter movement and some of their anti-nuclear family approach and also what we're str- we've seen for years on the streets of Portland, Oregon. Well, Timory, in my book, Primal Screams, I connect those dots to argue that identity politics itself has to be understood in the context of the implosion of the family. And what I mean by that is that identity politics rises in tandem with the sexual revolution. The very first document of identity politics, which appeared in 1977, the first time that that phrase was ever used, was written by a group of radical African-American feminists. And essentially, they said, we are giving up on the men in our lives. Their document never mentioned husbands and fathers. It spoke of women and children. So fast forward now to Black Lives Matter, where we have another iconic statement of identity politics. And here, too, uh, the language on their website, which was taken down in September, but which I copied before it was taken down, does the same thing. It talks about mothers. It talks about parents. But it does not talk about masculine authority figures, no mention of fathers or brothers. And I find that very telling. So the thesis of my book, Primal Screams, is that it's the collapse of the family and the collapse of organized religion that is driving this frantic search into these identity groups. You know, groups, whether they're based on gender or ethnicity or like Black Lives Matter, or feminism, or whatever your politicized group is. I think the reason that young people especially are frantic to find these groups is that the kind of support they provide and the kind of community they they provide can no longer be found at home. That is a tremendous, I think, eye-opener for many people. And I keep thinking of the example you give of Portland, Oregon, where it's kind of become this street family approach or we all, you know, appreciate each other, both from the perspective of the lost children, the the homeless, in a sense, but also those people who are just going there for that sense of belonging. It's fascinating because it's very tied to the yoga culture, the food culture, and that travel type of mentality where people are looking for a home. People coming in and out of Portland, Oregon. We can even talk about uh, Seattle, Washington, how we see this as well. But it reminds me of the movie August Rush. Did you see August Rush? I did not. Okay, August Rush, um, who is it? Robin Williams is one of the stars. And in August Rush, 
one of the themes is he is uh, he basically becomes a father figure for a bunch of children on the streets of New York, and he teaches them how to be street performers and musicians on the streets. But it's interesting because there's this kind of collective horde of kids who have turned to him because he is a male figure, but he's also not really a healthy male figure. You know, there's this dominance and unhealth. But at the same time, we could compare that even to what's happened in Portland, where we're looking for anything but what we actually need. What is the ideal of a true father figure, our heavenly father in the sense of actually belonging, not necessarily being controlled by an identity politics that gives us some glimpse of purpose, but not an actual purpose. That is spot on, Timory. Because what happens over and over, and this is part of the sickness of our culture at this point, is that you can suppress the family, you can tear it apart, but people will try and invent substitutes for it, and some of those substitutes are toxic. So, for example, the problem of inner-city crime is mostly a problem of street gangs. And why do we have street gangs? We have them because people are seeking out uh, an institution to do what the family does when it's functioning right, which is to protect you and include you and put people in your lives who are like brothers and sisters, etc. So the street gang problem is essentially a family problem. And the same is true of the street kids in Portland, as you mentioned. You know, the fact that Portland was ground zero for these protests night after night, all summer right. and into the fall, that was not an accident because Portland isn't just any city. Portland had very permissive laws about runaways, and as a result, as you know, it became a mecca for runaways from across the country. These people are disconnected from their family. It's part of what made Portland the heroin capital of the West. So in Portland, we see in this like Petri dish the connection between children without parents uh, children without authorities in their lives, including religious authorities, and this dysfunctional behavior that was on parade on everybody's TVs night after night, the screaming, the, the attacking the police, uh, the defacing of buildings, etc. So again, violence and acting out on that level is something that we have not seen before. And I think what it means is that this thesis that I keep trying to put out there about the connection between social dysfunction and family collapse is true. And that's a sad thing to say, but I think we have been seeing it again uh, all summer long and and before. <laughs> 